0: Welcome to the Positively Roswell podcast. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring conversations from your neighbors that help make Roswell one of the best communities in the world to live, work, and play. I'm your host, Ty Anderson, a Grammy award winning musician, brand strategist, and longtime Roswell resident. To learn more about Positively Roswell, Check out PositivelyRoswell.org or connect with us on Facebook at ProRoswell. Positively Roswell is elevating engagement in our city by accentuating the positive stories of our world-class community. Ladies and gentlemen, you have the right to remain positive. On this episode of the Positively Roswell podcast, we sit down with Roswell's police chief, Rusty Grant. Chief Grant is a career law enforcement professional who became Roswell's police chief after 32 years with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation? He is committed to community engagement, the highest standards of professionalism, and full transparency. A true servant leader, Chief Grant cares passionately about the well being of his officers and the safety of our community. In our arresting conversation, we speak about some of the challenges we face in Roswell, but also the many ways how the Roswell Police Department is actively engaging our community to make Roswell the best city in the world to live, work, and play. This is Positively Roswell. So we are... Uh, just still kicking off 2018. We're on the, the crazy, the craziest day of the year so far. That's right. The
1: big, the big snow day,
0: big snow day. But, uh, but Roswell police chief Rusty Grant has braved his way into the positively Roswell studio to kick off a podcast. And, you know, when we started positively Roswell, one of the areas we identified was public safety that we wanted to bring attention to it and kind of because you know, a lot of times in citizen engagement, I think it's something that we take for granted. And you know, I just I just saw the piece the, the Roswell Police Department put out there. It was on Fox Five. According to safehome.org, the city of Roswell it was included in the five safest cities in Georgia. So That's first correct.
1: first of all, congratulations! I'm, I'm excited about that. And let me also just add to, to give credit to all the North Fulton cities. All of the North Fulton cities were in the top seven. So that that tells you something about our area and the, and the people that that we that we have as citizens.
0: It says something about our police, and it says something about about you uh, and your leadership. And I think a lot of times public safety, crime, is one of those things that we probably just take for granted when it, when it is really good and safe. It's not that we don't have parades and, you know, there's maybe a few awards, but, but you're, you become very hyper aware of it when there really is a problem. Right. And so I think, um, and maybe that's a little bit of an excuse for us having not spoken to you earlier as we were getting started, because there, it seems like there's, there's always other pressing issues that that people are talking about there's new developments there there's good things there there's bad things and and maybe we only think about policing when we're uh maybe getting pulled over for that speeding ticket or or when we see a story on the news that isn't so good but day in and day out we live in a great safe community and and you know it was funny because when i brought that up to you i wasn't surprised because i knew the first thing that you did was you Acknowledge the community and you acknowledged the citizens. So I actually pulled up a quote from you. So this always makes me nervous when someone pulls up a quote. It's like, right. what did I say? But this, this is great. So you said this. You said in some communities, you have a situation where the police officers and the citizens look at each other as if it's us against them. And that's true of the police as well as the other side, Grant said. And when you have that in a community, it's not a good thing. Right. And that was a quote just right when you first took the job, this idea of community policing um it maybe be, be you know became in vogue about a year ago um but it's been something that you've been committed to right from the start
1: that's true and and that that comment also wasn't necessarily all about Roswell it was about what was going on in other parts of the country at at the time with other police departments in other other cities so um roswell's is is so fortunate to uh, again to have the citizens that that we have our, our crime for 2017 was down 4% over the previous year so it's so so the trend is that crime is getting better as you were talking about the recent election that we've had to me what was exciting about the recent election from a policing standpoint is that Crime and the police were never discussed. That never was, oh, we need to do something about the crime. We need to improve the police. We need to do this or that as it relates to police or fire in, in, in public safety. So to me, that was that was exciting that we really weren't a, a topic of conversation of something that needs to be improved.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I went to all the mayoral debates, and I think— uh, the the police department side, uh, you know, survived every one of them. No one ever really brought it up, and mm. I think that's another testimony right. that you know, because certainly it, it wouldn't take much, and 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 that wouldn't be the case. You know, I looked up a couple more stats. I tried to do some some homework for this one, um, but here's some stats. It says the chances of becoming a victim of violent crime. So in Georgia, it's it's one in two hundred and sixty four people. In Roswell, that's one in, in six hundred eighty five people. So just by living in in Roswell, we're, we're roughly three times safer right. than, than, than living in, in Georgia as a whole, which uh, I thought that was amazing. And then even when it comes to um, chances of becoming a victim of property crime, and this is probably the stats that you live in every day. But I thought, again, this was fascinating. In, in Georgia, it's one in 33. In Roswell, it's one in 55. So again, uh, maybe half as likely, you know, mm-hmm. nearly right. half as likely to have people mess with your stuff right. when you live in Roswell, which is a good thing it because is. none it of us want to be a victim of violence and and none of us want to have our stuff messed with. Correct. So, um, so Roswell is really leading the way. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, hinting how it is that partnership between the the police and, and the community. And, you know, we spoke, uh, over, over a year ago, about 18 months ago, I guess, on, on, on my podcast before Positively Roswell even kicked off and, and, and talked about some of those things. And, and I was just so impressed with your commitment to that, to, to be proactive, to not wait till there's a problem and then say, okay, now how do we respond to this in a PR crisis mode? But to go, you know what? The, the way to get, You know, in front of uh, of some of these issues, whether it's issues with with police and race or just issues of mistrust in the community as a whole is to be proactive and to and to take steps to engage the community. So I I really appreciate that. And one of the things that you've done on this that, that I wanted you to talk about is coffee with the chief. Sure. So um, I thought it was very bold for a police chief to say, we're going to do coffee with the chief and y'all come. There's no agenda. You all can just come. Let's have a cup of coffee together and anything you want to talk about, you're willing to talk
1: about. Now I imagine you're like, you're inviting all the crazies to come out when you do something like that. You, you know, it's um, it, it was something that we did maybe about two and a half years ago. And again, it was, it was in response not to what was happening in Roswell, but like you say, it was trying to be proactive to looking at what was happening in other other cities with other police departments, so what we wanted to do was to engage the community, invite them to come in and, and talk with me in a in an environment that's that's very relaxing. It's 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 not intimidating. It's not the police department where you got to go through security to get to get mm-hmm. to me. Um, it's just sitting down with a with a cup of coffee and and just talking about whatever you want to talk about. And to, to be honest, most of the people who show up are the people who are typically going to be at that coffee house. On that day anyway but we do have uh, every time we have people that come in to to meet with me some of those are our are, are, are friends There are former um, citizen police academy graduates there are there are people who actually have an issue with something going on in their their neighborhood or with one of their their children and they want to want to talk with with me and just to get some information about how they can proceed to, to make their situation better so that that was the whole theory behind that. And It's been been very successful. We we but, try to do it at least once a month, and and uh, so 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 yeah. Don't don't worry about this. Now, this do you Friday, get but, do you get where the the different coffee shops
0: in Roswell? Do you have one location, or do they get mad at you if you don't visit their coffee shop?
1: We we tend to, to um, there are several coffee shops that we tend to, to frequent so more or than, than others. And then uh, Ryan Pernice actually, I think October or November it was right before the election. He offered up to have it at table in Maine. And what was unique about that is table in Maine's not open for breakfast. So they right. had to come in especially open up and have people come in, their employees come in and help set up. And so that was that was really good. And also we had a good turnout. With a number of of council members that were that were running for office showed up, so that was that was now good. Now, table to meet in with Maine, them. did
0: it turn to table and complain, or was
1: it still no, no, a, no, a positive no. atmosphere? No, Ryan's a Ryan's a good a good friend he of mine, a good and, host. And, and I frequent his restaurant. So, but it was it was really um, it, it was the first time we haven't gone to a coffee shop, and that really what has spurned the one this Friday. It's not a even a restaurant that we're going to go to. So. Um, we, we're, we're kind of in a transition on on mm-hmm. new new ways to to have coffee with the with the chief. I don't know that we're going to have it in somebody's um, home in their in their kitchen, but uh, actually, I have done that though. I've I've been invited to come. Uh, there was there was a uh, some friends off Jones Road that had a, had a problem with speeders, and and they mm-hmm. wanted me to come over on on a weekday early in the morning. So I sat there in their kitchen and we watched had coffee and watched the cars go by and, and discuss that issue. Did, so. did you
0: leave there? confirming uh their uh their complaint that, they, that they, people were driving
1: too fast they, they have a valid complaint they, <laughs> so. they do but uh but uh, it, like like any situation it all comes down to dollars what's it yeah. gonna cost to to fix it and and we have the in the city and transportation they've got their priorities and you know and, and yeah it's a matter it, that's of a tough one i, that,
0: I actually went to a um to a council meeting where some neighbors were talking about that specific road and it, it's just you know it's not a simple solution of it just—it's not just okay. You you bring out um, more police officers and issue more tickets. It's not you know—is it roundabouts? Is it speed bumps? Is the, the, you know these problems get more complex. But I think just as that first step, um, I know a lot of people's resistance towards. Even any kind of government, as as a whole, is it, it just can feel like, well, it's just bureaucracy, and and no one will listen to me. And so I just wanted to commend you, just as that first step. It's really probably not so much about the coffee, as again, it can be at different right. places, whether it's someone's house or a restaurant, coffee shop. But just that you regularly make yourself available, um, not for your agenda, um, but for people to be able to ask you questions. I, I imagine that goes a long way for you know to maybe diffuse people when they're upset, but just um, to also let people. People know that that they do have a voice and, and that they're heard in the city of Roswell.
1: My w- email is on the the website. And, and last night, I get an email from a from a lady who who said she had a, a problem and wanted to discuss uh, a, a situation that that, uh, that evolved yesterday with one of one of our officers. And she left her cell number. Says call me back. And I've called her. Now I'm waiting on her to call me back. But yeah, I'm anxious to hear what she she has to say. and and if it's, a, it's something where we didn't handle the situation appropriately, then then we want to do better. I always say that no matter how we handle the situation, we can do better. Like today, um no matter how I do, I'm gonna walk out of here thinking I could have done I could have done better. And that's the way I look at the police department. We no matter how good we are, we can always be better. and it takes those every, each incident mm-hmm. that 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 happens. For us to uh, to try and become better
0: in my company here at Supreme Lending, where they've offered us the studio, so I thought I'd give them a little plug. Um, you know, we have a campaign to become our personal and professional best, but we've been running it for a few years now. And what you find is, uh, becoming the best is not so much a destination as the journey. Exactly. Um, there's not going to be a day that that Roswell just goes. You know, yay! We're number one. We don't have to worry about crime anymore. We don't have to worry about any of these things. And then every day, go, man, we're we're just absolutely the best police force. There's always ways um, to uh, to aspire to get better. And I I just have a question for you, because even as you're talking about that, you know, just someone complaining about an officer and. Even as we walked in and doing a little tour of the office, our organization, uh, we're at about 185, I think. Is there 200 police officers in Roswell? Has that gone up a little bit?
1: No, it's actually uh,
0: 154 is what we're allotted. Okay, so. so 154 police officers. Is that including the canines?
1: It is. Yes. Okay, it's, it's, it's all, all the sworn officers we have. So I want to inclu- make sure. Including
0: me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, roughly the same kind of size organization and just you as a leader, what would you say is sort of your style of leadership just as just with your team and, and supporting them, supporting the officers in their career development, supporting them in their personal development? Um, what's what's your role in that as police chief?
1: Well, the it, it's changed. When I first came in, um, and I, I won't dwell on this very very long, but when I first came in, I came in as a deputy chief. I retired from the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. I was here actually 27 days and the chief resigned and I became the uh, acting chief and then the interim chief for about five months until I was I competed for the position and actually was selected as, as the chief. So my leadership style back then and, and for a few years was different than it is today. But today what I try to do is support the command staff, which makes up the deputy chief and then uh, five captains and a 911 director. And what I try to do with them is to give them support to make them the best leaders that they can be. I want each one of them to be the leader of their own division, whether it's the, the patrol division or criminal investigations or nine one one, and have them make their divisions the best that it can be, looking at other divisions across other departments, mm-hmm. and and try to do their their best. And then hopefully one day they're gonna be a deputy uh, chief or a chief at another department so um, right now I have a, a, a pretty hands-off management style where I just sit back and and watch what they do and and they would tell you I don't have a hands-off management style that I'm always in their business and always <laughs> telling them what to do but I don't really see it that way I may I may give them a nudge in one direction or, or the other but um, I, I tend to be pretty hands-off when it comes to to, to managing the, the, the captains within. So
0: I imagine what that points to is the biggest role. Then one of the most important decisions is, is in the hiring process. Right.
1: And, and, and and to talk a little bit about them, they, they are all highly experienced They're highly educated. They, uh, I think they all have master's degrees or very, very close to, to having their master's degree. Um, They're, they're professional law enforcement officers. So, and they want to be better. Mm. So what, that's what I try to do is make them, them better And they can't do that if I'm micromanaging them. Sometimes, when
0: you're growing up, and I think our perception of police officers is probably influenced by. Entertainment and media more than anything else, because I think you know you chose the profession that gets the most movies made about them and the most TV shows and right, not so many shows about marketing directors, but right. lots about lots about uh, police officers. But you know, you maybe get into your mind this idea of you know, there's always the gruff chief maybe smoking on a cigar and he calls you to in his office and chews you out, and uh, you know, in every police mm-hmm. show that you see, and um, but. Um, what I actually found, just getting to know you a little bit, maybe looking a little bit behind the curtain, to me, it, it reminds me um, very, very similarly of when I went to Iraq and and spent time with you know with um, with soldiers and with kind of command structure in in Iraq and Kuwait, where it's very much a servant leadership model that the higher up people that we would meet, they the more that they defined their job about how. They served and empowered the people that that worked underneath them. And most of them defining it by that frontline soldier, that enlisted soldier who's on the front line actually doing battle. We we would meet with generals, and that's how they described their job and the way that they supported them. And so what I've seen is, is it's kind of a similar structure of that everything, it, there's kind of the the tip of the spear are the officers that are that are out there on patrol that are out there that don't know what their next just random stop could look like um, and and that very much there's a whole command structure in place to provide accountability but to also provide provide support for those people that are on the front lines
1: that's who I work with every day or are, are, are the are the captains and sometimes mm-hmm. the lieutenants um, but that being said we had a retirement ceremony yesterday for one of our officers. Been there 35 years, and and at that I, I I spoke, and what I what I mentioned was that I didn't work every day with that officer, but I know a good bit about that officer and what kind of officer that they they were. And I said that's true with everybody in the in the department. I may not know that everyone has just just had a had a had a baby or what's going on in, in their in their in their life daily. But I know what kind of officer every everyone is, and I know some are better than others. We don't have any bad officers at the at the department. We have some that are that are better than others, and um, I recognize that, and I know who those those officers are. And I so, think
0: you know when we spoke over a year ago, you you talked about that in the hiring process of just how rigorous it is, even the the psychological profiling. And, and I guess this goes back to maybe the, the media myth, but from some, maybe some gruff experiences as, as a young person or whatever, I think I had a view of police officers as sometimes, you know, having that reputation of being, maybe they were, uh, you know, the bully in high school or that person who wanted power so that they, so they take, so they put on the badge so that they can be the, the person in control. And it seems like in the hiring process and the psychological profile, you, you're really, uh, have are intentional to move away from that you're looking right. for people who are are speaking words like service and, and giving back and and are really invested in the community more than uh, you know it, I, I imagine there's buzzwords that you can identify that profile of that stereotype and make sure they never make it to the
1: force right the the, the number varies but we typically only hire between three and five percent of all the applicants that we receive so we have a very stringent hiring process our standards are very high. And and actually, on the psychological that that we do, it's 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 set up specially for us to to measure their uh, how how well they would work in a community oriented policing style. Hmm. And we've had people apply with us who have retired from big departments and had 20, 30 years with other departments, and they apply with us and they don't pass the psychological. Too many bad habits, right? <laughs> so. And 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 that's and that's not that they're they're they were they just they're just not a good fit mm-hmm. for Roswell, and and. Um, I was talking with somebody yesterday, and I don't remember who who that was, but we were talking about the difference between Roswell and some of the other police departments. And I believe one of the big differences is that at Roswell, the the, the police officers actually care about the citizens. And I think that's the the best thing you can say about a police officer is that they they, they care about the Mm -hmm. people that they, they police. But what I've seen with any great organization
0: is they're clear about their mission. They they have it written down and displayed and leadership reinforces it and models it daily. And that goes, you know, I've been in the belly of the beast at, at Disney, at Walmart, at Apple, touring all these headquarters. And you see where these great organizations that make an impact on the world. Um, they're very clear on their mission. So let's talk about that because I wrote down your mission
1: here. Oh, so, I, You're not going to ask me to repeat it, are you? I'm not going to ask you okay. to repeat it.
0: But it says that you guys vow to protect life and property, preserve the peace, and strive to prevent crime, fear, and disorder in the city of Roswell in partnership with all of those who live, work, and travel through our city. So when it, when I read that, uh, there was part of me as a marketer, I was like, man, they could probably get that down to like a sentence. But it seemed very comprehensive, and it seemed very true. You always point to that holistic, that um, that it's a job that you guys can't do on your own, that you want that support. And, and that, that, that it's welcomed, that, that it seems like you're, you really see your job as, as a bridge builder, mm-hmm. a, you know, supporting your staff, um, so supporting your leadership structure, and then being a bridge um, to the community. And again, as we started, I, I think those, um, those stats kind of bear out. So I have some fun questions because we, okay. we've been pretty serious. So we're going to go light. We're right. gonna have some fun questions all right. I've been listening to, to Joe Buck you're not gonna ask like Joe Buck questions. no
1: sorry okay all right
0: but so for Roswell again maybe this is my media images right. but I want to know is there a healthy rivalry between the fire department and the police force in the city of Roswell
1: I would say that that our relationship is healthy I wouldn't really say that we have a rivalry between no rivalry between like if you, you guys if we got fire. you guys like do you guys do a softball game against mm-hmm. each other like who would
0: win that if you guys well, did well, who there, would there, win
1: that softball well, game? There, well there's no question that that who whatever chief you're talking about is gonna <laughs> So, so you're talking to me. So what about chief-to-chief chief Indian leg wrestling? Uh, the, who's going to take the, it? The, the police chief wins every time. There's no doubt about okay. that. So
0: There's, we'll have to follow
1: yeah, that up yeah. and see if they would but, say but, the but, same but, way. And, and I think typically there is a little bit of rivalry. What about calendar sales if we were to take uh, pictures of the police? Uh, we're, we're you know, from, from – uh, I was going to say we're much better looking. I didn't want <laughs> to say that, but I'll, I'll say it. We'll say you know. So, because, I yeah, I think – uh. So but, maybe you know, we'll just but throw it, that out there. Yeah. <laughs> but also, our, our our fire department is different than most fire departments mm-hmm. too. So so I think that one reason we we don't may not have such a competitive relationship between police and fire is is for that reason. Now now I do have a because very because it's a part time because it is part time. Right. Yeah. So so and I think that that really may affect the the, the antagonistic relationship that some. Police departments and fire departments have because we're not in competition really.
0: Yeah, with, I've with always them. saw it
1: as not antagonistic. Like you know, in a
0: in the pinch in the crisis, everyone's on the same team, but. Uh, but I saw it as a as a healthy rivalry and just good friendly, like right. a good like Roswell Milton, where, you know, right. hey, you, you back up a little bit. we're They're all kids from
1: North Fulton. But, you know, come that football game, like mm-hmm. we really want to beat each other. Yeah, I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll say it. And, and I say this jokingly, but. Several times in my life, I've woken up in the back of an ambulance, mm. and every time I'm looking into the eyes of the most handsome fireman I've ever seen. So, so, yeah, you uh, shouldn't have said that. So, so I'm, I'm, I, I got to say that I have a very healthy respect for, for what they do, and, 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 and we, we, we all serve the people, but we do it differently, and I have a very healthy respect for what – what the the firefighters yeah. do all right next next question that i was just wondering um
0: you, you hear this as an urban legend but do you see an increase in crazy activity when we hit a full moon
1: yes <laughs> okay and anecdotally we we do and it's not something we necessarily keep track i'm not of, asking you to to, yeah, to yeah. back yeah. it up but with I w- data I, w- I would say yes but
0: there's a reason that there's yeah. so
1: you go okay Full moon, right. the crazies are going to be out, and, and it's not just my experience at Roswell. I've I've worked a number of places and talked with others, and in the in the consensus, not just my opinion, but is yes. Okay, so yeah. even in Roswell, yeah.
0: full moon, everyone just right. you know yeah, keep an eye on things. So I had a question. When I was thinking about this. Obviously, one of the biggest areas where police and citizens engage in a negative way is when. A citizen has chosen to drink and drive, putting other people's lives in danger, their own mm-hmm. life in danger. Results, you know, in a in a, a DUI and and certainly no laughing matter. But um, was just was wondering now with the just the increase of ride sharing with Uber and Lyft, it would seem like just from the outside that that would put a big dent in it. That that and and to help lower those instances. Of drinking and driving, has that borne?
1: Have you seen that, or have you seen it's just holding about the same? It's people- about the same, not, nothing mm-hmm. significant. You you would think that, but, yeah. but but people who tend to, I think, use the the ride share and, and drink, they have somebody that they would have a designated driver or have some other plan in place before ride sharing. And it's those that they go out every night and stop at a bar on the way home and and have you know several, and then get back in the car and drive home, are the ones that are typically caught DUI hmm. it, it, it's from my experience it's rare that somebody one time goes out and has a drink or one too many and, and ends up getting caught that does happen but it's usually the one that 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 has a pattern of, of mm-hmm. several times a week going out drinking are the ones that tend to get get caught yeah they're on the roads more so the, the odds are against them
0: there was a time when you know especially in the suburbs you know a, a taxi service could be inconvenient but people are really without excuse right. these days. I mean, if you're worrying about the cost, you're talking about, you know, anywhere around Roswell, you're talking about probably an under, you know, certainly under $15, under $10 uh, Uber ride, you know, probably cheaper than, you know, we don't have a lot of free parking. So you'd probably be paying for parking and valeting anyway, certainly if you're going downtown. So it seems like, and I'm sure you guys would encourage, you know, for now, just Uber. I mean, if exactly. you're going to have any alcohol, just Uber, because right. I guarantee you that uh, your Uber expense is a whole lot less than when someone's looking at a DUI. I mean, from what I've seen on the billboards, you're talking about something that can be $10,000, hurt your future employment, mm-hmm. um, really something to not even mess around with. So maybe that's my little public <laughs>
1: right. safety message. Well, but, well, you've got your, your attorney fee, which is probably going to be the largest mm-hmm. share, and then, then you're going to have a fine. And then uh, probably second in expense is going to be the increase in your insurance premium mm-hmm. that's going to carry on for for years beyond that attorney fee and beyond the fine. So the fine is is sometimes the least of your your troubles. Yeah. So if you're out there, uh,
0: public service message from Positively Roswell, you know, and, t- it's, and even when we get the parking stuff solved in our downtown, if alcohol is a part of your evening, then – you know, certainly designated driver rideshare because it's certainly not worth it. I was wondering about a question kind of on that subject. There was a time uh, until very recently, right up until May 8th, 2017, that Roswell had a jail, but Roswell doesn't have a jail anymore. And so I imagine there there is a time when people talk about the good old days in Roswell and they talk about, well, someone, you know, you know, a teenager might get, pulled over or they get taken to the jail and then they could go intervene and get them out of the jail or everyone knew each other and but but that's not the case anymore and you know certainly i think some of it's just the times are times are changing you know this isn't mayberry anymore when we're five thousand people but what does it mean that you know if someone's arrested in roswell that uh, with us not having a jail how how does that change policing in roswell well,
1: just just to go back real briefly it, it, the decision wasn't made in 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 isolation in in 2017 about a year or two before that actually my counsel was asked to do a study to look and see do we need to continue to operate a jail because a few years before that we went to a full service jail to a 72-hour holding facility which means somebody would come into our jail they would stay there 72 hours and if they made bond within that time, then they would be allowed to leave. If they didn't make bond, we were un- under contract with, with at different times, two different, um, one a city and one a, a county, where after 72 hours, we would uh, they would come pick up the, the prisoner and take them back to their jail and keep them there until they made bond or had to go to court. And by doing that, we, we saved several million dollars and we're actually able to put more police officers on the street, So after converting from a full-service jail to a part-time jail, we were looking at at, at eliminating the jail altogether. So about two years ago, 16, 15, I think it was 15, we made the decision after looking at the options to continue to operate our part-time jail. Two years went by, and we started looking at it again. And this time, um, after looking at it, I I made the decision and and recommended to to mayor and council that we close our, our jail. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that had to do with my belief that it was a duplication of, of services. All the residents in Roswell who own property pay a property tax to Fulton County as well as to to Roswell. The that property tax was funding a Roswell jail as well as a Fulton County jail. And I saw that again as a duplication of, of services. So we we came to an agreement with the the county that in, in that they would house our prisoners they already were housing our our state prisoners anyway so the only prisoners that were in our our jail were our ordinance violations people who violated a Roswell city ordinance and the sheriff in Fulton County agreed to house our ordinance violations um up to 72 hours at no charge and then beyond that he was going to charge us uh the same rate that that the other cities and counties were charging us mm-hmm. so it was kind of um it made a lot of sense and then we started looking at the dollars and cents of it uh, we were able to uh, eliminate the, the 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 salaries from the jail positions. That was a million dollars every year. Mm. So last year in in our 2018 budget, we were able to, or 2017 budget, we were able to uh, eliminate a million dollars from the police department's budget that had previously been in in salaries. So and and that those funds, I don't know exactly where they went to, went to other departments within the in the city. So there were other Oh, it's almost like they punished you for saving them money. They didn't just say, "Here's another." You can just reallocate these to uh, to stuff for you. The the city gobbled it up. Well, I hope the new mayor and council heard what you said. That, that <laughs> okay. was that wasn't me that said that. But. So <laughs> but, I, I but, remember but, everyone but, uh, it, running on being very pro police. But, so. but essentially, we yeah. we we the police department saved the city a million dollars, and we gave it gave a million dollars back. And what they chose to do was to give it to other other departments and and fund other other programs in, in other departments within the in the city with that. But that being said, we, we no longer have a jail. We we use um, the Fulton County Jail. We we transport, they actually have three jails in Fulton County. And the one, the primarily, the primary jail that we use is the one in Alpharetta. There's an Alpharetta annex and we take the prisoners to 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 Alpharetta. We drop them off at that Fulton County annex and that's where we we leave them at. There are some prisoners, because of their security risk or medical condition, the annex can't handle them. Mm-hmm. So now that would be somebody that was a, a gangbanger or they had a long, lengthy, violent criminal history or had some medical issue that, that they just couldn't take care of at the Alpharetta jail. Then we would have to take them to the big jail down on uh, Rice Street is where they would go to. In that answer, when you talked about, you know, a gangbanger
0: or someone with, with a long rap sheet, how do you train your officers and, and even for yourself when you're encounter, encountering someone who's a, a repeat offender or a repeat customer of, a frequent, of flyer, a right. frequent flyer? How do you still engage them with respect when obviously they've demonstrated a pattern of not showing that for the rest of society? Right. And how do you still model and encourage to model best practices in policing and best community engagement when when it's someone that, that well, th- th- this is
1: not a good player. Well, well sometimes you don't know, um, and, and sometimes you do. Sometimes we interact with somebody, and, and it is someone that we we have dealt with frequently. The officer knows, or maybe has firsthand knowledge. They've arrested this person before for for a violent mm-hmm. crime, and in each instant, the, the the most simple way to describe how we we interact with that person is we treat them as nicely as they'll let us treat them. So if they're if if they will comply with what we tell them to do. Then we will handcuff them, search them, put them in the car, and, and and take them to jail. If if they don't do that, if they want to run from us or fight with us, then then we have to handle that that situation the way we're trained to do that. We don't want to abuse anybody. We don't abuse anyone, yeah. um, and, and and that's just what we what we do. Our officers are are professional, and what they have to do is not not take it personally if they're if they're working with one of these frequent flyers and 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 treat them as a professional and. I mean, they're a professional criminal. We're professional officers, and and we have to treat them, you know, as well as they'll let us treat them.
0: It's just the fact that your officers are human beings too. Right. It's impossible to do your job, and I imagine there's a part of it where you don't want to lose your emotions in your heart. I mean, I know um, I saw you just just about a month after um, Natalie Hernandez was was murdered behind mm-hmm. Publix, and um, it was – I could tell, you know, I I, I just expressed gratitude for, for how well the Roswell police handled that investigation. And, um, you know, I if, if I talk about it now, I still – you can see I tear sure, up. I, and I remember then you were tearing up. Yeah. And uh, it's not something where you just go do your job as a robot. You still um, – your officers, you guys are invested in this community and you feel it. And, um, how do you have that balance? If I imagine there's things that just, you can't help but do your job and not get jaded right? On, because you're, you're interacting with, with the worst elements, uh, and, and the worst instincts in human nature right. on, on the regular. Right. But at the same time, um, you have to keep your, you have to keep your humanity. And I, and I imagine a lot of, a lot of people kinda they, they do, their hearts just grow cold and they grow
1: callous to it. How do you find that balance um, as a as a police chief? There's a lot of talk right now with post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress in military and law enforcement and, and is it is it the same in the military as it is in law enforcement? It's rare that a police officer has to take someone's life We're in the military that, that may happen more mm-hmm. more frequently. But in law enforcement, what, what in, in fire as well, what we see is daily uh, or, or or weekly over the course of a 20 or 30 year career we may see something that that really bothers us and and, and I I'll, I'll give you an instance and I was telling telling some officers the other day about this I was I started my law enforcement career with the Rockdale County Sheriff's office and my career with with them started as a college intern and I remember the very first night I was riding with a with a college in, or as a college intern with a, with a deputy we ended up getting called to a a person getting hit by a car on I-20 and We went out there, and there was a young lady on the side of the road that was that was injured very badly, and the the ambulance was there. The MTS were taking care of her. She was alive. They put her in the ambulance alive and took her to the hospital. And my thought was, okay, well she's going to be fine. You know, they, you know, they're she's going to arrive at the hospital alive, and and the doctors will take care of her. And you know, let's go on to the next call. And then later that night, the, the deputy that I was riding with says, let's go to the hospital and check on. The, the lady that got hit. And I thought, well, that's strange because when, yeah, she's okay. She was alive when she got put in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. And we went to the hospital and learned that she had she had passed away. And later, that, that was about midnight. I went home an hour later. I didn't sleep that night mm-hmm. because I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that. That young lady lost her life, and I was confident that she was going to live. And I tell that story that if that happened today— I would go home and go to go to sleep. And it, and I don't want to say it wouldn't bother me, but I wouldn't I wouldn't think anything about it. So that that tends to happen over a 30 a some year career that does happen. But how do you prevent that? And that's something that we're looking at now within the police department. On how can we do things better to take care of our officers emotionally? And what can we do to, to make their lives better at home as well as, you know, post law enforcement? And, and, and we're working on that. We don't have a solution for that. But uh, we we hope that we're going to come up with a plan. It'll be a evolving plan that we're going to implement soon. And I, th- I think that's going to be something we have to do daily, checking on our officers if they come across a, a bad situation. I remember the 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 day that, that this came up, there was a, a a child that got run over by a car and was actually trapped underneath the car, and they couldn't get get the, the person the the child was alive and they and, and lived, but we couldn't get the car off the child, and the fire and police were out there. And you can just imagine what that, that what would that be like? You know, and those are the kind of things that, that we need to take better care of our officers and our firemen. We're actually doing this jointly with the fire department to try to come up with with some solutions to take better care of them. Mm. So um, it's something that, that we're working on, you know, and um, just in conversations. One of the things that we need to do is you got to have a life outside of of your career. Mm. This can't be your whole life. And also, we give you days off. You need to take those days off and do something different other than than police. We in law enforcement, we always want to make extra money. At least the officers do, and they're always wanting to, on their off day to go work a part time job. Where the part time job is sitting in their sitting in their patrol car, wearing their uniform with a gun, so they're not really getting that time to to decompress. So those are some of the issues that we have to look at to get them away from their their job and out of that situation, and also get them to to have something some other passion in their life beyond police work, um, and, and whatever that, that may be. And, and there's a lot more to it than that. But I recognize that as something that they can do to help help themselves, and, and we need to try to do everything we can to help them.
0: You know, hearing you talk about that, it just strikes me. We started off talking about um, sort of that community involvement. And, you know, when you hear that, and I think a lot of people listening, when they hear something like that, they, there's probably a response of what can we do? What can we do as citizens to obviously these are things where, you you know, when you're talking about, um, you know, possible post-traumatic stress disorder or when you're talking about having experienced real trauma, even just witnessing it, that you have to address the psychological needs. Obviously, the first front is just the culture that you build within your organization and the kind of support structure that they feel internally. Um, but, but what comes to mind just as what can we do as a community? If I'm listening and I go, I want to make some baked goods and bring it up to the police, is that the kind of thing where it's just like, yeah, put it in the pile? Or, or does that make a difference? When I see a police officer um, just, you know, walking the beat and I say, thank you for your service, is that lost on them or or is that appreciated? What How, how can the community... And just us as a citizen, how can we support you guys that that would really make a difference?
1: well, I and mean, that that means a lot to to me and I know it does to other to officers for somebody just to walk up and and shake their hand and say, "Hey, thanks for what you do." It means a lot. there was a the the time during i think it was the summer of sixteen mm-hmm. when we had a lot of a lot of issues going on across the country. If you walked into our kitchen or break room at the at the police department, um we had a large counter and it was just full of cakes and cookies. Where people would would make cakes or buy cakes and cookies and bring them by the police department and drop them off and and, and you would it, it was just amazing it was it was like a like a three by twelve cabinet or counter and it was just solid food have and you implemented a new fitness regime after the uh, the great we, cookie we, summer we, we have but not not because of that but. But but uh, yeah, we actually do. We do have a fitness program at the, at the police department. It's all voluntary because if, if you make it mandatory, then there are other issues that that, yeah. that kick in. So and, 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 you, and I you would think, think that you see would
0: that be, when it's like a response to almost you know a national issue or you know it, it was kind of you know there's an aspect of that which which is awesome. But I remember even just years ago when there was like the the PR. Scandal with Chick Fil A, and there was people banning Chick Fil A, and there was other people. Well, I'm going to Chick Fil A, and I was like, I, I just don't want any part of this. I don't want it to be a political thing. I, I just really like that spicy chicken sandwich. Right. I don't want to make a political statement. But even in that, just in the day in and day out, for that mom that's listening, what can she do? How can she? Is, does it just come down to that acknowledging that the the dangers of the job that the, that the police do? And just that respect or are, you know, and certainly everyone has different personalities. There's probably some police officers that are just like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm just doing my job. Just, I don't want to hear it. But you know, what's some, what, if someone's compelled to do more, um, what what are the ways that, that really move the needle?
1: Well, and and again, I mean, the, the, those are the things that we see. We have a foundation, a police and fire foundation that, 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 you know, money can be donated to, but, but the the average officer on the street may or may not ever know about about that. But uh, we we do have people who who do that. But to to me, one of the one of the most satisfying things is to be sitting at lunch, and I'm not you know don't buy my lunch, but is is, is you know we'll we'll eat lunch and we'll and we'll finish eating and we'll ask for the check and they'll walk over and they'll say, the gentleman um, three booths over that that was sitting he's left now, but but he bought your your lunch before. Mm-hmm. Um, before he left. Yeah, I and that, and tell and you, I did one better because I heard you, you've you know? talked
0: about how much that means to you. So, I've, so I was in Taco Mac and I had my kids there and I thought I'd pass on that lesson. So we were going and um, but I but I told my kids that I, I was like, hey, we're, we're, we're going to pick up their the, those police officers lunch. But I was like, but here's the secret. We can't let them know comes from us and we got to be out of here before they do so that they can't even protest it mm-hmm. so we're just, we're just going to do it and it's and uh, i might be ruining it by telling the telling the story but i was trying to teach my kids like there's something really beautiful when you when you do something and don't even look for to get credit right. for it just go and just do it and and just know that you're making a difference you know for people and um so
1: notes welcome on cars or don't <laughs> or, yeah. just uh, just just walk up and say thank you for what you do and shake their hand. Mm-hmm. And 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 they may say you know, they may drop their head and act like it's no big deal. But mm-hmm. but it, it means a lot to them. It really it really does. I know it does. It does to me. So.
0: Well, I want to give a little bit. Um, we're going to continue this conversation, but not on this podcast. Okay. So um, I know a lot of people have um, been hearing on the news and maybe it's touched your lives personally, just hearing about the opioid crisis and you being with your 32 years with the GBI. And now um, as the Roswell police chief, uh, five years in we're going to spend some time um, talking about that. So um, it'll be coming up in in just a few weeks as you're hearing this, we're going to, we're going to kind of dive deep into the opioid crisis and, and how it's affecting Roswell. But um, for now, I just wanted to say thank you and maybe uh, do what you just encouraged. I want to say thank you for your service. Um, I love when, when I see you on the sidelines of the football games. Um, and I just, I just really appreciate you. I think that, um, as we talked about in the podcast, I really see that, that you're putting in the best practices and on this journey to best, um, not resting on your laurels, not just resting on the stats, which are, which are very impressive, but, but always working to make the Roswell police just the the best police force in the
1: world so thank you for your service on well, behalf of all of Roswell and everything you do well thank you life is a, a journey and we all want to be be better so it's something we all can strive for